Well, awesome. Well, we've had a change of pace over the last couple of weeks. Um, instead of doing expository preaching, we're preaching more in a, in a topical nature. And our topic has been money and giving and wealth. And the fact that you guys are back today really uh, challenges my heart to continue to challenge you in this area because we probably all can recognize and would acknowledge that the money, the money topic is a difficult one at some levels. How many would agree? It's just, it's tough because it's so close to our hearts, isn't it? The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your money is, that's where your heart will be. And we said a couple weeks ago that there's an imaginary string from your heart right to your wallet, right? And, it, and so it's, it's tough. The other thing is there are a lot of misconceptions around money in the church. Some people say, well, they're always talking about money, or that's all they want is my money. And I'll tell you, uh, we do not want your money. In fact, we're doing quite well. In fact, we're ahead of budget in every single area as we speak. And we say, thank the Lord for that. And by the way, we're not raising funds officially for our building project either. And we've mentioned that the last couple weeks. And, uh, and so we're not looking to uh, boost our reserves. We're, we do not want. And the other thing is that God, he doesn't need your money. That's not why we're talking about these things. And so the truth is, and, uh, we, as I've uh, looked over my messages over the last nine years, I've never spoke an entire series on money. Of course, it pops up here and there as we talk through God's Word, but the reality is uh, money is found in the Bible. In fact, we're in good company because there are over 2,300 verses on money and giving compared to 500 verses on prayer and less than 500 verses on the topic of faith. And did you know that Jesus talked a whole lot about money? 16 out of the 38 parables in the Gospels had a money component at some point in them. But the bottom line is, this series is not about money, although it is. It's really about your family, your life, and your health, and your work, your marriages, your relationships. I believe, unashamed, that as we address this topic, that God, he's going to bless us. He's going to continue to bless families. And I believe, and I've really sensed this, and I want to share this, that if I wasn't preaching this topic at this point, I would be doing a disservice. First of all, I think I'd be being disobedient to the Lord. But second, it would be a disfavor to the people that I shepherd. If you consider this your home, and I'm your shepherd, this is an important topic for us to get our arms around and so we're taking our time we're gonna we're gonna do that for the next several weeks and and uh, continue i uh, want to give us a little review if you haven't been here or you missed a week or something there's a couple things we started off the series we said it is all about the heart that's where the premise of the whole series it's all about the heart and our goal is for our hearts to defend against the spirit of pride or poverty and to move towards a heart or a spirit of gratitude we believe that we, when we're grateful, God, he can use that. The other thing that we recognize is that it is, it is all about, uh, it is all God's. And he helps us manage and helps us to steward. And we realize that this topic is not for the spiritually uh, immature. 
It requires some maturity to be able to uh, talk about these things. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, like I said the first week, I said, put your big boy pants on. Let's go, right? And, and, and the reality is, is uh, it's tough uh, to talk about some of these things. The second week in the series, we said uh, that there was a test. And we said, what test is that? That we all take a test every time that you're paid, every time there's an increase that comes into your life. And the test is, whom are you going to thank or honor, or respect, or worship with your increase. And some people think Visa, or their mortgage company, or the grocery store, or a a hundred other things. And the problem is, is those things do not have the power to bless you. And so I want to encourage you to bless God, to honor God, to worship God. But the reality is, as far too many people do not tithe i found a study this week in 2004 only three to five percent of those who donated money to the church actually gave a ten percent gave a tithe to the local church so let's assume this morning that a hundred percent of you at some point have given something to the church Uh, and since we're here to the gateway church the reality is we're probably a little under a hundred here in this service that means that only two or three, or maybe four of us that are here actually gave a 10%. That was back in 2004. That same study revealed that the average amount given by a full or confirmed member of a U.S. Christian church, so let's again assume that that's us here in 2004, the full amount for the entire year averaged to $691.00. And 93 cents. What that means is that the average person gave $13.31 a week to the church. That's pretty sad. <laughs> and we've got some work. The fact is that many believers are failing this test. And by the way, a lot of believers, they will lie about this test as well. When you ask them, do you tithe? They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm faithful, or yeah, I give. And we're going to talk about that next week, and you do not want to miss next week. And the problem is, is that it sabotages our lives. The truth is that God does want to bless those who are not stealing from them. And I want to challenge every single one of us here to be faithful. So today, we're going to actually spend a second week talking about the tithe. And uh, it's interesting, and uh, I want you to lock the doors, ushers, because uh, when I told Jessica, I said, she was asking me, what are you preaching on this week? I said, we're going to talk about tithing again. And she goes, oh, really? Like, I'm like, what's the problem? You know, I mean, it's in God's word, right? But I believe that this may be the most important week on the topic of money and giving and wealth that we are going to put together in this series. The goal for this morning is to tie together the thought of first fruits into our thinking about money and giving. And I'm excited about it. And so I kind of, I'm not a big title guy, but I, I, we titled this message First Things First. And, uh, and with that, I've got a couple comments to kind of get us going. The first thing is this. If God is first in your life, I believe that everything will come into order. It doesn't mean that your life will be perfect or without trouble. But if God is first in your life, truly 
everything will come into order. Now, the, the flip side is true as well. If God is not first in your life, nothing will come into order in our lives. Now, that's a pretty hard statement, but I believe it's based on the first fruits principle that is found from, gener- uh, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, where putting God first in everything is the goal. Again, we'll see how this relates to money and to tithing, but I want to uh, encourage you to turn in your Bibles to, to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to see some things that are just exciting to, to study and to look over. In Exodus chapter 13, we'll start in verse 1. I want to make sure that you're there. This is uh, God talking to Moses. And listen to what it says. Very interesting here. It says in verse 1, it says uh, in verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether male or whether man or animal. I want to pause there. I want you to notice that God is talking here and he says, the firstborn is mine. It belongs to him. It's emphatic in the language, in the original. It is unmistakably God's. It is his. Now fast forward to verse 12 in that same chapter. Again, we're going to see that it belongs to the Lord. Look what it says, verse 12. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All of the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Verse 13, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Very interesting. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. What we see here, it belongs to the Lord. And some of you are saying, well, no problem. I don't even have a pet or I don't have any animals. Uh, We're not talking about sacrificing your dog or your cat. uh, But the idea here is that with the first fruit of your increase, you'll see. But it says here in verse 13, if you don't redeem it, you're going to lose it anyway. The truth is found even in in our finances as well. So there's three points this morning. The first one's rooted in this verse, in verse 13. And the first point is this. Firstborn, the firstborn must be, everyone say must be. It must be sacrificed or redeemed. Look what it says again in verse 13 there. Redeem the, uh, with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. You say, how do you know what to do? Well, there's two animals that are described here in this scripture, and it's interesting. uh, It's really defining two categories. The donkey in this category is the unclean, and the lamb is the clean. And so the idea here is that if it is a clean animal, a lamb or the such, the firstborn must be sacrificed. If it's unclean, and so uh, let's say a donkey, in this case, has a firstborn uh, uh, offspring, that must be redeemed with a sacrifice of another clean animal. Very interesting. You say, well, how does this relate to us today? And what's interesting, I love this, is that it relates to every single one of us here. 
It applies to each of us. Let me ask you a question. Were you spiritually born clean or unclean? Unclean, that's right. All of us were sinners. It doesn't, no one teaches you how to mess up or to you know, <laughs> lie or cheat or steal, right? You were born with a sin nature. Another question, was Jesus born clean or unclean? Clean, that's right. You guys are doing well. So the idea here, Jesus being clean, he was God's firstborn. In this context, he had to be sacrificed so that the unclean, that's you and me, so we could be redeemed. Are you tracking with me? This is critically important. This verse in Exodus applies to each of our lives spiritually. It's interesting, there are some that actually will call Jesus God's tithe. Have, has anybody heard that before, that Jesus was God's tithe? It's an interesting concept to, to talk about. I don't necessarily agree, but certainly Jesus was God's first fruit. It was his firstborn, and he was clean, and he had to be sacrificed so that we could be redeemed. Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave Jesus in hope, in faith. Everyone say faith. And I want you to think about it. After 400 years of prophetic silence uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, John the Baptist is out ministering and Jesus comes up the road and he stops everything. And what does John the Baptist say? He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world. The firstborn, Jesus, God's first, was offered so that we could be redeemed. Now, I want to relate this to money and how that works. See, it takes faith to give our first to God. Let me say that again. It takes faith to give our first to the Lord. Just like it would take faith to give a lamb that the firstborn of a lamb saying, okay, we're not going to wait till we have 10 lambs and then just give one. No, that's not what it is. To give the firstborn without any promise of future lambs to be born, that's what the Bible describes as first fruits. And with tithing, how many know, it, and giving in general, if you're going to give first, it takes faith. And I was thinking about it this week, and, and I want to study this a little further, um, uh, but I don't, I'm not so sure it's the 10% that enacts the blessing in our lives. Track with me here for a moment. I believe it's the faith that generates the blessing that comes into our lives. God, He wants to bless us when we put Him first. So, in faith, we give our tithe because we understand that it's the first portion that is the redemptive portion in our lives so don't give the first portion to the mortgage company or to anyone else the first portion goes to the house of god it goes to the house of god and it has to be offered to him we bring it to the lord that leads us to the second point, that first fruits must be, everyone say must be, must be offered. 
There's two places I want to look. The first one is in Exodus, just a couple pages from where you might be. Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. This is a parallel passage to Malachi 3 that we talked about last or two weeks ago, or, or yeah, two weeks ago now, uh, where it says bring the, the tithe into the storehouse. But look what it says. It says bring the best of the first fruits of your soil where? To the house of the Lord your God. We are to bring the first fruits, the best of our first fruits of our soil to the house of the Lord. Another verse in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, we see a similar idea here. It says, honor the Lord or respect the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, by the way, this particular verse was not in the law. This is found all throughout Scripture, this idea of first fruits, from Genesis all the way to the end of Scripture, to put God first. The first fruits need to be honored. Now, with this idea that first fruits need to be offered, must be offered, there's an incredible story that a few weeks back that I ran across. I was uh, doing some studying on, on giving and money, and, um, and then it's been, actually I've seen it a couple different times once I started looking for it. Um, it. The idea is found in Joshua chapter 6, 7, and 8, where it's the story of Israel with the, uh, the city of Jericho after the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness for for 40 years, they're finally taking possession of the promised land a generation later, which is interesting to study in its own. Uh, they walk around uh, the, um, uh, the city of Jericho seven times, and then they give out the big shout. When I was a kid's pastor, it's one of the favorite ver uh, stories in the Bible to share, and it's a lot of fun to reenact that. I thought about doing it this morning, but we don't have the time to do it. But they shouted, and God would give them the victory, right? How many are familiar with the story, right? Uh, hopefully everyone here. Well, it's interesting that within that story, there is some instruction that is very, very particular about Jericho. Let's turn there to Joshua chapter 6. And uh, I think it says in the notes, uh, verse 19, but I want to start in verse 17. It says this. It says, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Everything within the city is supposed to be devoted to God. Verse 18, But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And then here's verse 19, All, it means all, <laughs> All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord. And as they capture Jericho, what are they to do with all of that? They are to, it must go into God's treasury. It's to come to the house of the Lord. And you say, all of it does? I thought we are talking about tithing. No, this morning we're talking about first fruits in our lives. 
And the idea here, as you study this, it's amazing. This was the first city that the Israelites came to, to conquer, once they were entering in to the promised land. And what is found in Scripture? Who do the first fruits belong to? They belong to the Lord. They're to be offered. They're to be sacrificed. Then the rest would be redeemed. Now, if I was a soldier, if I was Moses getting this instruction, um, uh, I'm thinking, okay, God, we could probably use this money. We've been living in the desert, and maybe after three or four cities, then we will give that first portion, right? No, 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 no. And then what's interesting is that just two chapters later, in fact, you can flip over there to Joshua chapter 8, this is not the case for every city after that. Look at this uh, in verse 2. It says, you shall do to Ai and its king what you did to Jericho and its king. So basically they're saying, hey, we're going to go to the next city, Ai, and uh, we're going to demolish it where God is going to give us the victory. But look what it says. You shall do to Ai and, uh, and to do to it what you did to Jericho, except that you may carry off their plunder and their livestock for yourself. See, after you honor God with the first, you worship God with the first, God is going to supply your need. Now, in Exodus 23 that we already read, it says to bring the first fruits. Malachi 3 says the same thing. You bring the tithe to the storehouse. And when I think about it, there's really only two things you can do with the portion of your income that we would consider the tithe. You can either bring it or you can steal it. And I know that's hard to say, but that is, I believe, proper according to God's word. And we see in Jericho, in this uh, situation, in chapter 7, between 6 and 7, that Achan actually stole some of the property that was devoted to the Lord. He took it, he, and what happened? Not only was Achan cursed, but the entire camp of the Israelites were cursed because of it. So in chapter 6, they, they said, hey, this is all consecrated. Chapter 7, it was stolen, and then they dealt with them at the end of chapter 7. If you're interested, you can look at it, and uh, it says, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today, talking to Achan. Then all Israel stoned him, and after th- they had stoned the rest, they burned them over Achan. They heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. It took his life. They took his life because he didn't honor God with that first fruit. As I was studying this, I ran across Pastor John Maxwell, uh, who used to pastor in uh, California. He said this. It's kind of interesting, somewhat related. I thought I'd stick it in. It says, it is not biblical to withhold tithes if you are mad at the church. Say, well, how does this work? Well, see, there are some people that will say, well, I'm not going to give until some things change around here, right? <laughs> and John Maxwell said, he, when he was pastor, someone came to him and actually said that exact thing, quote, in quotes. And what John said was awesome. He says, why are you telling me? It's not mine. It's the Lord's. Do you want to be under a curse? Oh, no. <laughs> And what's crazy is sometimes people will save up their tithe and maybe give once a year or give quarterly. Why would you want stolen goods in your bank account? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
The point is, it takes faith. It takes faith, and it must be offered. Last week, uh, as Pastor Pete was uh, receiving the offering, he shared uh, from Genesis chapter 4, and you can actually turn there with me, Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. I really uh, like this. Is that it's a story of Cain and Abel. And let me just read these verses to you in this context here, that, uh, they, that our gifts must be offered to the Lord. Look what it says. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruit, of his soil as an offering to the Lord. It's very important that you see it. it's some of his fruit as an offering to the Lord, right? But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn, everyone say firstborn, right, of his flock. The Lord looked on Abel's with favor with his offering, but on Cain and on his offering, he did not look on it with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. I wonder why. This is way before the law, right? They were to bring first fruits from the beginning to honor God. And we know in this story that Cain brought an offering. He did not bring the first fruits, and Abel brought the firstborn, which was a sign of respect. And what's interesting is I dug into this a little bit this week. I believe that God would not accept Cain's offering. How many see that in Scripture, right? That's the truth of God's Word. But I was thinking about it a little further from a little different direction. I believe that God could not accept Cain's offering. And let me try to explain why. There are some things that God cannot do. It's the truth. It's according to His attributes, right? For example, how many have heard or read that God cannot change, right? He's unchangeable. That's the immutability of God. God cannot change. Another thing God can't do, he can't think like we do. This is interesting. You think about it. God, nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never had an, a, a thought saying, huh, I didn't know that before, right? It's just the, that's the fact. They, we call that the omniscience of God. Well, the same is true. There is something else that God cannot do. I believe that God cannot be second. That's called the preeminence of God. That He's above all. He's before all. He's over all. God cannot be second. So, in our lives, some of us would decide, hey, I'm going to put God first. And I'd say, absolutely. We applaud that. We encourage that. That's why we're here, to put God first. But even if you decided in your life, either mentally or like uh, consciously or unconsciously, ah, I'm not going to put God first in my life, that d does not mean that God is still not first. God is still first. He cannot be second. You have not rearranged his order. God cannot be second. And last week we gave the illustration that tithing may be more personal to God than we think. Remember we brought up a couple volunteers and we kind of did the thing about Jesus is, the, uh, is leaving for a while. Take care of my church, the bride. Just like I asked uh, the volunteers to take care of my bride, my wife. And if you're here, you were there. But when you think about it, in God being first and God, God cannot be second, could it be that tithing may be more personal to God than we think, just like it is to Jesus? The question is, is he first? Is he first in your life? And one of the best ways to see if he's first is if you were to show me your bank account, 
Because what your bank account reflects is where your heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so if you, when you get paid, the first thing that you do is head off to the mall to get a new t-shirt or a new pair of jeans. Um, look, that is reflecting where your heart is. Or if you're saying, hey, you know, and I'll talk to maybe the guys, you know, you're looking for a new fishing reel or a new golf club or a new uh, something for your hobby. And if you go first to, to look at uh, or to, to spend your money in that way, it shows where your heart is. And that leads us to the next point, the third point, is that the tithe must be, and everyone say must be, must be first. In Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, we looked at this verse uh, a couple weeks ago. It says that the tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy, it's sacred, it's set apart unto God. Church, it belongs to God. I mentioned Robert Morris uh, a few weeks back, and uh, really a lot of the series is based on some of his teachings. But uh, in The Blessed Life, my father-in-law, we sat down and watched this VHS uh, back in the early 2000s. I remember sitting with him, and he came and he gave this illustration. I've used this before uh, at different times, that he kind of brought 10 $100 bills and said, hey, if this was your increase, how much is the tithe? How much? Are you guys tracking with me? If there's 10 $100 bills, that's your increase. How much is the tithe? $100. That's right. You guys are smart, right? How much is the tithe? $100. Well, then the question is, if you had them laid out here, which of the $100 bills is the tithe? And some of you know where I'm headed with this. I've said this before. It's the first one. It's what's given first. You say, it's the one that's spent first. It's the first one given. And practically, you say, well, how does that really relate? You know, I get, you know, direct deposit into my account. You know, how, how does that work? And I get that. Well, the way that it works in my life or in my family's life, we have a budget book, and the very first page in our book is the tithe. And actually, our tithe is split which is a little confusing we have we give because i'm an assemblies god pastor uh, 85 percent of my tithe goes to the district and then 15 percent comes here so there's tithe to the gateway church tithe to the assemblies of god uh, that's how that works the first two pages represent the tithe now uh, i was listening uh, and just studying about this and actually a few pastors uh, were saying that now they give completely online and i was like well how do they do that without avoiding fees and different things and i figured out a way this week to do it do you guys want to know how this is pretty awesome it's actually some of you already do this um, and bonnie you're going to love this because i'm assuming that there may be an influx uh, uh, of checks that are coming in the the mail so what you do how many of you guys pay your bills online right? You pay your bill and you get on and you set up an account for your mortgage or for your um, power, you know, for consumers or whatever the case might be. And then when it's time to pay that bill, you put in how much the bill is and you hit click and then the bank generates a check and sends it to that company. How many are tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about, right? 
I did this for the first time this week, and uh, it's kind of fun. And I'm like, all right, this is cool. And so I put in there, all right, I, I, we get paid on Fridays, and I always had the dilemma, like, you know, if, if we get paid on Friday and we buy groceries on Saturday, have we not tithed? Have we, you know, have we done something wrong, right? And, and, the, and I mean, there's, I'm not that legalistic. I don't, don't worry. But I'm like, hey, this is pretty cool. So I did, I, we were doing our budget, and I'm like, hey, all right. And I put in and made an account for the Gateway Church and for the Michigan uh, Assemblies of God. And boom, those checks are going to be sent. They'll get here or there next week. And it was a way that I could honor God with the very first, before I did anything. It was pretty awesome. Before I even paid any bills, just an idea for you to consider. The idea here is before I do anything, before you do anything, it's really a heart issue, so it's not legalistic. Are you honoring God with the first fruits in your life? I shared last week, for 38 years, this has been my story, and I'm sticking to it. If someone came and said, hey, I want to do an experiment where, I, you, know, where you don't tithe for six months, I would not do it, <laughs> not even for a second, because I've been blessed by honoring God with the first fruits. There was a time where our cars, and I uh, may have shared this story too, but we're, uh, we were early in ministry, and, uh, and we didn't make a lot of money in ministry, and it was before I really started, uh, I ended up being bivocational in Dayton before I moved here, long story, and I won't take the time to share it all, but, um, but before I started working on the side, uh, we were just one income, and in one week's time, both of our transmissions in the two cars that we had went bad. We did not have a reserve. We didn't have an emergency fund. And we were like, what are we going to do? We borrowed a car, showed up to church on Sunday. And I was a kid's pastor. And so we gathered all the kids and we said, hey, we need to pray for a miracle. And we prayed and God answered. And one of my kid's workers actually paid for one of the transmissions to be fixed. Deb, that's the kind of workers you need in kids' church. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It was awesome. And uh, it was really cool. They said, hey, we just feel like God wants us to do this. Wasn't manipulating. Wasn't, I mean, we were just saying, hey. And I believe God answers prayers of kids. And uh, so if you ever need a miracle, ask kids to pray because their faith level is pretty high. But anyway, then we kind of were looking at our budget. and We are like, all right, we didn't have the funds. And so we did something that... You know, we probably now wouldn't do, I'm not sure, but we did a 90 days, same as cash. Don't point fingers. You may have done it too. Uh, and we said, all right, in the next 90 days, we're going to have to make this up. And so what we did for that 90 days is we took our tithe and paid back the, no, we didn't. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. We didn't do that. But a lot of people might be tempted to do that. Seriously. It probably crossed our mind. I don't remember. But you don't use the tithe to pay anything other than you bring it, you offer it to the Lord before you do anything else. The tithe is first, period. Amen? Oh, I love it. Does God accept leftovers? No. Look at Cain and Abel. God did not accept Cain's. He did not, but he did respect Abel's offering. Does God accept the blind or lame lambs? No. He doesn't. So I've got a question for you. Is it possible, and we're not going to answer this, so you can think about it. Is it possible to give 10% to the church and not be tithing? 
if you go through all your bills and you have 10% left over and then give that, if that's your mode of operation, is that really a tithe? No, I don't, I don't know. All I know is that the tithe should be first. And if it's not, if I, it's not this idea that, hey, if I have enough left over. The question is, how or who are you going to fear? Who are you going to respect more? The IRS or God? Are you going to respect or fear the mortgage company or God? The first redeems the rest. I want to wrap this up in the next couple minutes. And I'm going to ask the worship team to join me here in just a second. I want to go back to Exodus chapter 13 where we started. In Exodus 13, that's where you know, it said, you know, bring the uh, first, um, consecrate every firstborn male, the first offspring, verse 1 and 2. And then verse 13, redeem the lamb, right? And uh, redeem every firstborn. Uh, the, and, and that's the context. And what's interesting in verse 14, and this may have happened to some of you, it says, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does all this mean? In other words, in years to come, when you are sacrificing the firstborn lamb, and when a donkey or another animal is, is born in your flock, you go get another lamb to sacrifice. Your son or your daughter is going to be looking at this and saying, um, I've just been adding up. We've, we've sacrificed 25 or 50, I don't know, uh, lambs this year. What is all this about? That's what the question will be asked. What does this mean, he says? And then this is the answer. Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, I want you to personalize this for a moment. When your kids may look at you and say, why are you giving or why do you make me give a tithe in this way? You can look at your kids, take them by the hand, put your arm around their shoulder and say, look, we used to be slaves. We were dead to sin. But God, with a mighty hand, has saved us. And because of that, we will gladly give to the Lord the first. This morning, I want you to ask the question, and you've got to answer this personally in your life. And I realize that this is a tough topic to swallow. We've created some space in this series to spend some time to reflect on what God is saying. But the first question I want to ask is, is God first in your life? And you may say, well, Jesus is first, but tithing is where the rubber meets the road. Today, I want to challenge every person here to make a commitment to put God first to tithe first. And what's interesting, this is not about the church and about 
the success of the Gateway Church. Listen, it's about your life. You may need to downsize. You may need to turn the cable off. You may need to do something different to create some space. You may need to sell something so it allows you to continue to live where you can honor God with the first. But I want to challenge you to do whatever it takes and then to never turn back, to always honor God first. Stop fearing your taxes or your, uh, your car payment or the power company, or anything else. All your fear or respect or honor should go directly to the Lord. And if it does, I want to promise you, according to God's word, you can stand on his word. You will be blessed. God is going to take care of your absolute every need. Now, one other thing, and then the worship team we want to ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And God could be speaking a whole lot of things. and We'll get to that in just a second. I just want to say one other thing. You could tell God where your heart is every time that you give. And I want you to have that, that mentality in your life. And I want you to know also you will never be short-changed if you devote everything to God. Amen? Amen. I want to pray. And then we're going to address this idea. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us this morning? Father, as we wrap up today, as we've sat through this message, I pray that you've been speaking to hearts and I pray that you've been softening hearts to be able to respond And Lord, I don't know the needs of the people here. I know some. But Lord, you know every need. And Lord, you call us to be faithful to you. You call us to respond. And Lord, so we just ask the question personally, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me today? Lord, I pray that you just open up our hearts in Jesus' name. I want all your eyes on me for a moment here. The reality is the statistics continue to show, and I can't find anything in the last couple years, but 10 years ago, we looked at some statistics from the late 90s. I don't think it's changed all that much. The reality is, and we're not going to do this, but if you looked around and looked at each other in the face like I'm looking, the reality is there's a lot of folks they call themselves Christians that even, we'll talk about next week, that lie about tithing, but that, don't, are, that are not faithful with the first fruits. And what's, what's interesting is that there's a lot of people that struggle in this area. And, uh, and what I want to say is that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I do not want you to feel condemned by this message. Okay, I do hope that if you haven't been faithful, that you will be convicted. And I can challenge you. And again, I don't know who gives and who doesn't. I don't want to know for that very reason. So I can look you in the eye and say, are you faithful? Is God first in this area? And so this morning, you know, it's interesting. Achan, he thought in his mind, I'm sure at some level, oh, if I take a little and put it under my tent, it's no big deal, right? 
I'm sure that's what he thought. There's no way if he really thought he was going to lose his life or that Israel was going to be judged, the whole nation, because of his action. I can't imagine unless he was, you know, had a brain disease, right? I mean, he's not, you wouldn't do that. But the reality is, is that a lot of Christians, a lot of believers, they say, oh, I'll just keep a little extra. It's not going to affect anything, right? But remember, the pastor said he doesn't want your tithe anyway, or he doesn't want your money anyway, which is true. God doesn't need it. But I do hope you're convicted. Now, we're, in just a moment, we're going to stand. And if you're here this morning, I want to just address, maybe you're away from the Lord. Maybe you've served God at one point in your life, maybe as a young person, but, but now you're in your adult years and you're saying, man, I, um, if the truth is, my life, God isn't first. And I'm realizing that God can't be second. And I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life back to Jesus. And so if that's you today, with every eye open, I'm just going to ask you real boldly, if you're saying, boy, I'm not sure uh, if I were to die today, if I'd go to heaven. I'm just wondering if there's anyone here that would like to surrender your heart. Just raise your hand and we want to pray for you. Is there anyone at all saying that's where I am today, if I'm really honest? All right, I want you to stand right where you are. No one raise their hands, and that's okay. This morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to many, many hearts. And I believe that we want to respond when the Holy Spirit does that, when He starts stirring in our lives. And it could be about the money issue. It could be about something else. Um, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And my question is, are you willing to spend some time with the Lord to address whatever he's saying. And that's why we've created some space at the end of the service here to do that. We're going to sing one more worship song. Actually, we're going to reprise one of the songs. And what my challenge is is that you will step out of your seats and come forward, no matter what God may be speaking. And I want you to just spend some time with the Lord in reflection to what God is speaking to you. Let's pray, and then worship team, you can lead us, and I'm going to ask that you would come and to just fill these altars. I believe it will be God-honoring. Lord, we thank you for these moments where you really challenge us to step out of our comfort zone. And Lord, I pray that as I uh, speak today, Lord, that you would receive all the glory and honor in our lives. And God, help us to be sensitive to what you're speaking in this circumstance, today, right here, right now, and help us to respond how the Lord wants us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you join me at the altar as we worship the Lord together? Amen. Praise you, Lord.